Welcome to the Kara's Curious Digital Show and Podcast, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness with some of the greatest minds out there. I'm Kara Sundlin. This episode is sponsored by the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services. So, do you ever wonder why some people go through really tough times and they become bitter, while others use challenges to become better? My next guest is a very successful Connecticut businessman. He has used what he calls the four Ps to triumph just about over everything. It's how he went from the orphanage to the highest level of the boardroom. Welcome, Ed Hajim. Thanks for being with us, Ed. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, you know, I know you've had quite the life, and it started out pretty grim, but tell me why you decided to write the book on the road less traveled, an unlikely journey from the orphanage toward the boardroom. Well, when I left the last orphanage, I decided to bury my life at 18 years old. And I really told nobody about it. Even my wife didn't know the whole story. But in my 70s, wife and children and the University of Rochester prevailed on me. He said, you've got to put this in, pay, on writing, in writing. So I started to write it. And after I got the first galleys done, I sent it out to 15 friends of mine. And they all said, no, no, this has got to go to a wider audience. So I did real work on it and produced the book. And I'm getting enormous satisfaction out of it because it's proving to people that anything is possible. Uh, I've been a very lucky person. And I want to pass that on to young people to let them know that anything is possible. Education is the solution to most everything. And other lessons like never be a victim. And, you know, you said that at your, in your introduction. Yeah. Some people do feel one of the secrets is to whatever happens to you, focus on what's next not what's past. What's past, right. Um, in fact, one of the comments about your book is that all kids should read this. And I know we don't always teach grit and resilience in school, but if nothing else, this is probably a gripping manual on grit and resilience. So I, it's probably good for all of the kids to read this. Well, this is what most people have said. A good friend of mine said every freshman in college, every senior in high school ought to read it because it tells them a very simple story. Basically, in America, almost anything is possible. And it basically depends on your how hard you want to work and your, the scope of your imagination. And I've, I'm very lucky, but if you look at what I've done, and by the way, I failed early on in my business life, and I learned another lesson, is that you know, you're basically early failure is a gift. You mm. learn more from that. I learned more from that than anything else I've ever done. And that's in the book as well. Plus, it tells the story of, of a relationship between myself and my wife. You know, I... I always tell people I love her more than yesterday and less than tomorrow. And she's really been a, a very important part. So I, my third P, which is partners, find someone to love. Yeah, in fact, I know we've got a picture of you and your beautiful wife that I took from the book there. We'll put that up in a second. But I want to get people to, um, to go back and just understand. So here you were, uh, uh, a child. Your dad kidnapped you, then told you your mother was dead. You lived in a string of foster homes and orphanages, but yet you say your childhood actually helped you become who you are. And I think that's one of the other messages that disadvantages become advantages. Think about someone who's been in 18 or 20 different places in hotel rooms, motel rooms, orphanages, foster homes, the YMCA on 34th Street in New York. What, what do you develop? You develop adaptability. You seek, you understand change. You actually start to seek change. So that helps you throughout your entire life. You're not afraid to take the next step. It also gives you resilience. Resilience is a muscle. Once you've gone through some difficult times, you, the next one is not as difficult. It gives you self-reliance, perseverance. It also gives you some negative stuff like anger. And you got to make sure that you, if you have negative stuff like anger, that you direct it toward making yourself a better person, not direct it externally to other people. 
That's one of the most important things. But that was it. My father kidnapped me, and and he he basically abandoned me three times in my first 18 years. But I loved him very much because he was all I had, and I was all he had. And he, and as I got older, I understood him, the things he went through as a young man, and basically his difficulties and his job, which was to be a a radio operator aboard a ship. So he was always out of town, always out of port. Nobody ever came to any of my graduations because he was always at sea. But he did send me messages. He basically said, Ed, you're a good person. You can do well, work hard. He had, he had tenants. That and the Catholic Church told me that I, I could make it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about something that you've boiled it down into some principles that anyone can benefit from. And when you're trying to decide what to do, you say you want people to look at their passion. And how do you find it? You said you need to find what energizes you most, what would keep you awake at night, and maybe you right. would not even care if money was involved. That's right, Kara. I can tell you found your passion. <laughs> Uh, no, yes, I, I, I want people to recognize that life is in four parts, self, family, work, and community, my word for giving back. And in each one of those areas, we've got to pour in the four Ps. Find your passion as far as your, yourself is concerned. Find your passion for your work. Find your passion for your family. Also find your passion in philanthropy as well, because giving back really is what it's all about. Then find your passion, in, in a sense, your principles. Find your principles for each one of these things. Find those, rule, those, those rules you want to follow as, throughout your life. Find those lines you won't cross. Now, if you aren't going through partners, find the most important partner, but find other partners. When you put something together today, collaboration is absolutely necessary. Absolutely. Because there's so many technical difficulties. You need people to do things you can't do. And you can find those kinds of people. I always also find people who do things you don't want to do. So if you can find the right partners, you end up doing the things you want to do, that you're passionate about, that you do well. And then finally, find your plans. I, I believe in writing. A young fellow said to me at a lecture I gave at a college recently, he said, tell me, too many ideas, Mr. Hajim. Give me one idea. And I said, here's one idea. Sit down right now and write where you want to go and how you think you might get there. Write a plan. And when you're doing it, look at life. Look at your life and see what's going to happen in your life. What are the trends? What are the waves? What are the cycles? What are the really you know, unsatisfied needs? And can you participate in that? And once you get the plan down on paper, I know it's going to change. But if you have a plan, when that turn of the road comes, it won't be the end of the road. You can know what you, where you want it to go, and you can change it. So those are my four Ps, and I pitch, pitch it to people. You can have your own fifth P, which is purpose, I guess. Yeah. But develop things, a conversation with yourself, so you can go back and say, this was my passion in high school. Baseball, basketball, math, math science, and girls. I got to college, and that changed. You know, it Math and science evolved into engineering. You know, sports, after my freshman year, involved into extracurricular activities, where I found my passion, actually. I didn't know it at the time, but in my junior year, I created a humor magazine. And I found my passion, which was to put people together to solve a problem, to create a product, or make, find a solution. And I got a terrific kick out of helping people do better than they thought they could. Yeah. And I didn't recognize until I was in my 40s that that was really something which turned me on. But I looked back and I said, and then writing the book has helped me because I focused on it. Well, and that's part of it. You, I mean, you've got your principles. You say don't settle or compromise and turn your vision into a reality. But when you talk about passion, you've had many. So what you're telling young people and everyone who's listening is passion sometimes change throughout your life. And that's okay. Oh, it does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
I mean, and you have your passion for business. I, my biggest passion today is philanthropy. And I mean, even in the creation of a golf course in Nantucket, we took it, we had, we created a golf course. It was a great experience. Then we had a passion for really helping the community. Now we're the largest charity on the island. And it's, it's, I mean, you got to be passionate about it because these things have to be, you have to get people to follow you. And with your passion, they will follow you. But these are the, these are sort of the four things. And there, you may add your own thing, but I think these four things cover most of the territory. The key to the whole process, though, is to recognize that, that life is a balancing act and you're always going to be out of balance. Recognize you, you have to balance, you know, yourself with your work, with your family and with, with giving back. And by the way, if you focus automatically, you get out of balance. And so you got to pay attention. So if you you spend six months working very hard, make sure you take your wife to dinner and your kids on a vacation and make sure you let them know that that's a problem. <laughs> and I always kid about that. We, we created a vacation, which I recommend to everybody, which is a boat trip in the Caribbean. The key to that is in the evening, no one can get away. They're stuck. They got to talk. They got to get it through. And we have we used to do that every other year. And it was really very good, actually. We took had each one of the children and myself read a book and talk about a book. They're like, who moved my cheese or, or the secret or if they little, little books like that. But those are the kinds of things that you come up with over time. And that's why, uh, you know, given my at my advanced age now, I'm playing the 17th and 18th hole of the course. This is all I can give people is having lived the perfect, you know, the, the American dream. Yeah. I mean, for, when I was 28 years old. I didn't have I was I had a minus net worth. I had to call my company that I got a job with and ask me money so I get across country. So, you know, it was it's it's been a great run. And, and I think that when you have a great run and you have a chance to give back, you know, you have the near, near perfect life. So you are the American dream, the embodiment of that. I mean, you came from uh, you came from uh, an immigrant family. You uh, your father faced anti-Semitism. There were all these things that happened to you as a kid that would have broken some people. And having come out of the pandemic where many people are feeling broken, what do you think is a secret to turning these difficult things into advantages the way you did? That's the famous two words. What's next? continue to focus on the future look forward looking the pandemic has been terrible but it's been good in some respects it makes people recognize that things are not always very simple last 40 years in america have been a, except for 9 11 have been a very smooth ride and when you don't have a smooth ride you don't tend to cope i mean i think it's very important for people who live the good life especially young people to basically get out on their own i always tell families they don't like it make your children uncomfortable Send them to Knowles National Outward Leadership School. Send them to Outward Bound. Put them on a raft in, in the Green River in Colorado. You know, these kinds of things. This is what kids learn. My grandson spent 60 days in Alaska you know, on a trip, 30 days in the rain. I mean, think about the bonding he and the group got together with. So these are the kinds of things that really are very important early on. Because if you get those experiences, those disadvantages become advantages. They really do. You, 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 when you come across a problem in later life and you have really serious problems as a youngster, eh, I, I, I've been there before. I can do that. Yeah, I know. It makes sense that you would have had um, experiences that, you know, make you more confident. You mentioned anger earlier. Um, you certainly had every right to have a lot of anger at your father. You would later meet your mother as a grown adult. How did you deal with your anger having the fact that he told you your mother was dead? 
Well, you know, I, I was very angry. I was, in fact, I, I, I didn't smile much in college. I was very angry. So I would, you get the problem when you go through what I went through, basically a me too question. Why me? Why did I have to go through this? Why am, no, by the way, it's totally different today. I mean, today people let it hang out. When you were an orphan going to a private college, you, were, you weren't shunned. I was rejected by every fraternity in my freshman year. I got in in my second sophomore year. But you were rejected. You're different. You're poor. You can't afford. They can't afford a car and so on. So it's not like it is today where you know I'm dealing with a group in Boston where there's 75 kids all from foster homes. They get together. They talk it over and so on. So it was a little difficult for me. And so I became very angry. I kept saying, why do I have to suffer? Why didn't I learn how to ride a bicycle or learn how to swim and so forth? Because of what other kids had this thing. But then I found that by directing that anger toward anything I was doing, work you know, and so forth, not taking it out on anybody else, it really helped me. It drove me. You know, I, I got angry. But I, I, pressed, I took that energy and I put it forward rather than backward. That's very important, Kara. I think that's what I tell people. And there's no reason why you shouldn't be angry. And once you accept the fact that you have the right to be angry, it's fine. I have almost conquered it at 85 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, right. You've had a little, you're a little on the other side of the journey. And, um, you know, I'm curious. Um, you mentioned one of your favorite books um, on the road less traveled, right? Yeah. So that was pivotal for you. You think that's uh, your kids teased yeah, well, you for having too much, too many self-help job. books. I mean, I, you could spend all day talking about Scott Beck, but he says that basically love is giving to others. Yeah. Also, he talks about, you know, delaying gratification. I mean, I read his book a half a dozen times. And uh, he and I, I said, my his is the road less traveled. Mine is on the road less traveled. It, it, did, it didn't uh, leave my mind that he did sell, sell 10 million copies, but I love his book and I reread it on a regular basis. And I recommend people to do that, to find a book. There are a couple of books in my life that I continue to reread because in this area of principles, I find sentences that I put into my life that help me do certain kinds of things well. For example, in business, I developed the concept that you can, if you don't take the credit, anything is possible. And even more than that, deflect credit. Just have some fun. When someone says, Kerry, you've done a great job, say, no, no, I did a good job, but you know, Marie or Rosemary, she did a great job. She helped me. And see how that feels and see how that reacts and so forth. But I, I, had, a, I had a sign said, you know, a person can do it, can, can accomplish almost anything if he or she doesn't take the, doesn't worry about who gets the credit. Then I said, try and deflect credit. And I did that a couple of times in my life, and it was really you know, very satisfying. Yeah. But these things are, when you read books and you pull things out of them, Make them your make them your own. On Wall Street, I use the word to live happy is to live hidden. Stay away from the cares of the world. Don't go on television. <laughs> Don't go in a newspaper. You know, no, when you're in Wall Street, Wall Street is the job was to satisfy clients. I mean, as a CEO, I had 800 people. I had to worry about them. If you start going into the public arena, that's a whole job. You know that. It's really yeah. a hard, hard job. As soon as you start putting yourself out there, you got to prepare. Right now, of course, I'm chairman of a company, but I'm not I'm not really involved as much as I should be. And so I can spend the time on you know, talking to people and so forth. And being in the, I'm still afraid of being in the public arena, to tell you the truth, because I lived all these lives, my life being hidden because it was fun. And I had a chance to run my company without having to worry about what the paper was going to say the next morning. Yeah. Well, you just talked about that you're doing it anyway. Um, and that's part of what you said is you would choose sometimes to take a course that you were not qualified for in school and you would get a D plus or do really badly. But you just always chose to challenge yourself. So I guess you're afraid to talk to me, but you're going ahead and doing it anyway. <laughs> I, I, I am afraid to talk to you, but you're right. But I, I, that's another lesson in the book. Reach. 
if you really think you want to be a physicist, take a physics course with the physicist. And it didn't work. I wanted to be an international businessman, so I spent a summer in Belgium. didn't work. I spent a summer in Central America. didn't work. International business wasn't for me, but I gave it a try. So if you, the, the words that people put on things, you've got to be very careful. Find out what it means Monday morning. You know, I always contrast the, the investment banker versus the investment analyst. Analysts, uh, they're not poor important. Well, investment analyst runs around and visits companies and talks to people. And an investment banker for many years just carries someone's bag. And then eventually he, do, he or she does have a, a very interesting life. But, you know, talk about what you do Monday morning in a job. And I think that's very important. I, one of my friends, one of my scholarship students at, uh, at Harvard wrote me a letter saying, she said, you gave me 10 ideas about when I went to my first job. And that's really why. What's the responsibility? What physically do you do? You know, when you make a decision, how much how many people does it impact and so forth? But I think reaching is very important. Reaching into. Yeah, I want to be a physicist. Take a physics course. You want to be an international physicist, man, go out and do it. Yeah. Don't go. waste a summer. Don't That's play it safe. Important. Don't play it safe. So I just want to review for people if they're listening your four principles, and I know you encourage us to make our own, but uh, it would be passion, and that would be obviously the difference between my should and my must. Your principles, which is your fundamental guide that makes your choices and action. You've chosen to make sure you're a giver. Partners, you credit your lovely wife for that who knows you better than anybody, if, which is, a, you know, a, that's a feat for you also coming from what you came from to have a successful family with a wife and children. Um, and then plans, uh, that that's your personal GPS. So uh, doing those four things. Do your kids listen to you? That's what I want to know. You've got kids. Are they listening to this? My, my <laughs> kids' kids listen to me. My daughter has introduced me to at least two or three dozen of her friends. <laughs> And she and my kids listen to me after a period of time. They have to make it their own. Okay. It's a very subtle conversation. You've got to sort of sort of feed it in very carefully. And then eventually they make it their own. They're right. Her friends call me up and say, you know, can we talk to you? You know, can we come to your office? And I do that on a regular basis. And I love it. My kids, my, my one of my sons and I have been in business together. So he sort of listens to me. I mean, we, we, we have a pretty good relationship. But it also depends upon the child. You know, and I, I go through this whole process of who people are. It's genes and experiences mixed together. And there's some sort of that the, the reaction between those two develops the personality. When you're the first firstborn, you have a different personality than the middle guy, than the second one. So the middle, middle one listens to me. We've been in business together for 20 or 30 years. Uh, my daughter listens to me. But many respects, you've got to feed in anything you say to them very carefully. But they, they do provide all of their friends and talk to dad, you know. Yeah, come, yeah, come yeah. yeah, they don't and want to admit it. But... <laughs> but it's hard. It's very, it's very hard. It, right, you know, right, right, right. They, they, they read my book, though. I, I give them credit for that. Well, you know, one other question. It's a kind of a personal question. I haven't gotten through the whole book, so maybe it's in here. But you talk about the trauma you went through as a child. And there's a lot of uh, information now about trauma. We're encouraging people to get help and to heal wounds. You talked about channeling anger. Did you get professional help for that? Uh, with a therapist, well, see, did you just figure oh, it out? People didn't have, in, in the 1940s, it, there weren't no professional help. The fact is, if I would have gone to college and asked professional help, people would have looked down on me. Okay. Think about it. Yeah. So I always, I always became very self-reliant, which was a mistake. I didn't, I didn't try. I, I pushed off mentors. Phil at the first, second orphanage was a fabulous person. He tried to mentor me. He wouldn't do it. I finally got help when my father died. I had. I realized then I was old enough. I felt I had to do that. I was 36 years old, and I found a wonderful lady at the Ackerman Institute in New York, and we spent six months together. And she did something brilliantly. 
She said, I want you to write letters to your father, ask him the questions you want answered, and then sit down and write the answers. And we did that for six months. Wow. Now, I think today, today I'm involved with a group called Wiley in Boston, and they sign up foster children. If they're signed up with Wiley, they assign them a counselor, and the foster child has to talk to the counselor once a week. And I'm, I'm very excited about it. A woman yeah. has gone from, from five students to 75 students. And she has people at MIT and Tufts and so forth, Boston College. And so today, help is in vogue and it's necessary and it's very helpful. You can get over lots of bumps by getting somebody to talk to. Well, that's what parents were all about in the old days. Yeah, no, I mean, it was very different for sure um, for, for your generation. My dad was a World War II guy, and we joke that he sort of probably had untreated PTSD forever, but he used it to do good things. <laughs> so um, it's nice that it's different now. Um, and I, I love that you said you actually did get help uh, at, in your 30s, but um, hopefully if people read this book, and we're raising teenagers. This is, again, on the road less traveled, an unlikely journey from the orphanage to the boardroom. I love that your own children wrote it, but um, we don't have to wait till we're in our 30s. We can uh, learn from your principles, right, Ed? Thank you, Kara. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I think they can. There's, they, they can glean from me. They can, I can learn, I've learned an enormous amount from people reading my book and sending me notes. Everybody references something in their life that's similar to my life, and it's been that's been very satisfying. In fact, I could probably write a book on the responses to my book. Hey, that could be your next book, EdHajim.com. My next book is, books the three Ps, four Ps. I'm I've actually got the book printed, and we're ready. I want to I want to expand that. I want to okay. expand it into something. It's an it's an allegory. It's about a man, a young man who goes to an island, meets an older man, and they go to the village of passions, the village of principles, village of partners, and the village of plans, and they talk throughout the entire time. A man who is in his 70s or 80s, and a boy who's 18 years old. And I want to maybe create a video game where nobody gets shot. <laughs> I think that would be wonderful. And just have to make sure the kids will actually fun, play it. Fun with it. It's an allegory, <laughs> and it, it's interesting because, you know, this conversation that goes on between these two people, you start to recognize that maybe they're the same person. Oh, I love it. All right. So uh, we, we can get your book anywhere. And uh, I love that you've shared your whole life story and that we can glean so much information. I think it's so important um, to get the wisdom from people like you who've lived a long time and an incredible life. So thank you for your sharing your time with us. Kara, thank you for inviting me. And it's been fun. Enjoyed meeting you. Take good care. Thank and you. may the force be with you. <laughs> Thank you. You too, Ed. I'm, I've got more reading to do, more studying for sure. Thank you. And if you get done, please give me a rating and a review in, in Amazon to oh. make my publisher happy. I will do that. <laughs> Absolutely. That does help. Thank you, Ed. And for everyone who's watching who wants to go back and learn some more wisdom on Kara's Cures, we have other episodes on WFSB+. Plus. You can go back and, and listen um, and join the conversation on social media. You can follow me at Kara Sundland. You can also listen to this in your car or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts on the Kara's Cures podcast. Definitely uh, leave us a rating and a review right there. It helps uh, get this great content out to more people. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day and be well.